Lennon was a good influencer. Charles Darwin was a gifted scientist. But both of them were going the wrong direction. Satan was a gifted angel. He was one of the angels in the presence of God. But he rejected the things of God and went the other direction. The Pharisees and Sadducees were gifted in uh, the exposition of Scripture. And yet they opposed and ultimately were behind the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Giftedness is important and giftedness is a blessing from God. But that's not what God is primarily concerned with. God values love. Somebody once asked Jesus, what are the two greatest commandments? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. We need love. Why? Because love never fails. In the ministries that we do and the things that we do for God, At the heart of it, what God is concerned about is that we do it as an expression of love to Him and an expression of love to other people. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, and the Corinthian church was a fighting church. Uh, Some of you fathers probably have had to arbitrate some fights in your family. uh, But uh, Paul is is writing sort of as a spiritual father uh, to the church, at Corinth, and he is saying, look, you're concerned about gifts, and you're, you're emphasizing certain gifts above others as the mark of spirituality, but he says, I want to tell you something. God is not impressed with your gifts. He's the source of them. What God wants to see is a heart of love. And he says, if you don't have the heart of love, all the rest of the stuff that you do doesn't count for much. And so, as God's people, we need to to seek to have that supernatural love of God flowing through us. We can't do that in our own strength. It has to come from God. But we need to seek through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the filling of the Holy Spirit uh, to live a life of love. The time of my message is seeking what never fails. Look at verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in human or angelic languages, but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It is not boastful. It is not conceited. It does not act improperly. It is not selfish. It is not provoked and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
love never ends or never fails. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see indistinctly as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Seeking what never fails. Why should we seek God's supernatural love? Well, the first thing I want to mention is we need to seek it because of its importance. Its importance. Uh, in the first few verses here, he, he's talking about things that we could do for God. Isn't it a wonderful thing to serve God? Isn't that a blessing? Uh, praise God that God lets us be a part of what he's doing. And as you exercise your gifts, as you trust God, as you pray, whatever it is that you're doing, uh, it honors God. But he's speaking about all these things that they're doing, and he's saying, look, all these things that you are doing equals zero if you don't have love. He says, if I do not have love, and I'm speaking in a language or speaking... Uh, he says, I'm a sounding log or, or, or a clanging cymbal. In other words, it's just noise. It makes no lasting difference. If I have prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, um, have, you ever, have you ever wished you had great Bible knowledge? Maybe wish you were like a Bible encyclopedia and you could just quote chapter and verse on whatever you like. It's kind of what he's talking about. He says, if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, would you like to be the kind of person who has great faith and trusts God for great things and accomplishes great things for God? That would be a great thing, wouldn't it? He says, I can have all of these things, but if I do not have love, I am nothing. He's saying, in the eyes of God, love is the most important thing. And he says, if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, if I give my body in order to boast or, or uh, to be burned, as it can be uh, translated there, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Suppose you were to go out and you were to empty out, say you have a retirement account, you empty out your retirement account, you sell your house, you take every, all the clothes that you own, uh, and all you have is the clothes on your back, and you sell all of it. And you give it to the poor. He says, if you don't have love, that profits you nothing. You're beginning to see the importance of love. It's the crucial thing. Um, God says that in your ministry and what you do for God, you need to love people. As God's people... In this community, as we go out, as we share Christ in this community, as we go out and we minister in this community, people need to see the love of Jesus, and you can't fake it. 
when I became a youth minister, <laughs> somebody told me, uh, you need to love young people, but you can't fake it. They know if you're faking it. I think people in general can tell if you're faking it, can't they? We need to love people. Uh, why is love so important? Well, number one, it's a characteristic of God that is a defining characteristic of who God is. The scripture says God is love. You see, God has great power. We were looking at the PowerPoint a few moments ago and singing about God's greatness, and you saw the pictures that the Hubble telescope had taken. God made all that. Don't we serve an amazing God? He has all power. He can speak, and the universe comes into existence. He can change a human heart that's headed in the wrong direction. He can lift us up when we're bowed down. He has great power. But all of God's power, he says that what I want you to know about me is this. And he begins the book of John by talking about this. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I want to tell you something. Love is at the heart of everything that God has done for us. Your salvation. Listen. I want you to know something. I am saved by grace. I don't deserve it. There's no, no amount of good things that I could ever do to earn my salvation. But you know what? I still don't deserve it. Some of you are looking at me like, well, I deserve mine. Well, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. He says our righteousness is as filthy rags. Did you know that God doesn't just give you grace at your salvation? He gives you grace every single day you take a breath. That's the love of God. And one day Jesus Christ is going to come back and take those of us who trusted him. He's going to take us to glory. That's the love of God. From beginning to end. If there was one thing that I could use to describe what God has done in my life and what God has done in the lives of others who've been changed by him, it would be the word love. God wants us as Christians to be channels of his great supernatural love. And everything that we do, if you take love out of the equation, it equals zero. So that means that I, as a, as a child of God, need to, to have, be aware of my heart and, this, and to be willing to confess to, my, to, my, uh, to myself and to God when I'm not loving. So, and, and look, I have to do that. I have to do that. And I say to the Lord, Lord, I confess that my heart is not loving. Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you live through me and love through me? other people, people who are lost, people in God's church. God, would you love through me? God, would you, Holy Spirit, would you love God the Father, God the Son, and yourself through me? Because I can't even do that right. I need your help for it all. I can't have that supernatural love without the indwelling power of God. You know why I know that's true? Just look at the 12. What they do in the heat of the moment in the Garden of Gethsemane? All of them forsook him. We emphasize Peter and his denial, but all of them forsook him. And yet, at Pentecost, things changed. Why? The power of God had come to love as God desired. So the importance of love. 
why should we seek what never fails? First of all, seek it because of its importance. Secondly, seek it because of its power. Now, sometimes when you look at a verse like, it, love bears all things, believes all things, you can, you can begin to think, okay, this is not realistic. There will be times where you don't need to bear something. There will be times that you need to take a stand for righteousness. There will be times where you need to do the hard thing and the difficult thing with someone. Um, and so sometimes these verses have been taken in a way that they weren't intended. But the intention of these verses is not that you are a doormat and that you never stand. Because first of all, Christ doesn't fit the bill. He was no doormat. He was very bold. The disciples were not doormats. They were very bold. But see, what he's saying is that when you are filled with the supernatural power and love of God, there's nothing that can stop what God is doing through you. There's no circumstance that you can face that can conquer that love. Look at Jesus. He says, no one takes my life, I lay it down freely. And he went to the cross, and guess what? The grave couldn't hold him. You heard that song, It's the Power of Love, back in the 80s. I just dated myself. Um, I want to tell you something. There there may be some power in earthly love, but I want to tell you, there is power in God's love. There's power to overcome this world. Look at what he says. He describes it. He says, love is patient. Does it take strength to be patient? Some of you who've taught preschool kids know all about that, don't you? Patience. It's it's hard to be patient. I I had to, when when my kids were little, I put that verse on my refrigerator. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. (laughs) Because I was struggling. And I I had to pray to God, Lord, help me be loving. Help me not be impatient. Impatient. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It's not boastful. It's not conceited. It doesn't act improperly. Is not selfish. Can I just say here, many of the things we call love in this world are selfish. I love you. Will you let me? I'm going to tell you something. That's selfish. That's not God's love. It's not provoked or not easily provoked is one way you can translate that. Doesn't have a hair trigger temper. Does not keep a record of wrongs. How's that for being difficult? I'm going to tell you something. Forgiveness can be difficult, but it is possible with the power of God and the love of God. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness. It's grieved when it sees sin in the lives of people. Doesn't go to the phone and start gossiping. Doesn't delight in the latest morsel of juiciness. Instead, it's grieved when it sees sin in the lives of others. Instead, it rejoices in the truth. But look at this in verse 7. It bears all things, 
There's nothing that love can't bear. Have you ever seen um, a prisoner, maybe, maybe in a movie, but maybe on, on the news? Um, everybody else has forsaken them, but mom is still there. Have you ever noticed that? Um, oftentimes, dad is still, dad's still there, but especially mom. And um, you see that love that has persevered through all the anguish that the lifestyle that that, that young person has chosen has brought, that steadfastness. Love bears all things. In other words, it's summed up in this. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Have you ever thought about this? Do you think about patience? God knows, we know what somebody does on the outside. God knows everything. God knows every attitude. God knows every thought. God knows every word. God knows what's done behind closed doors. God knows what's done in private. God sees it all. It's all laid open and bare before his eyes. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God knew your sin in eternity past and he loved you anyway. Is that not amazing? Love bears all things. That's God's love for you. Did you know we need to have an unconditional love? That doesn't mean you don't have standards. That doesn't mean you don't uh, have accountability and you don't deal with your circumstances in a wise way. But what it does mean is your love will never quit. We're to reach lost people. There's some people that are going to be ugly to us. We love them anyway. Bill Fay, uh, the evangelist, tells a story about how he was lost and he would have these Christians come to witness to him. And he would make fun of them. He'd ridicule them. He said, but I never forgot their face. And he said, years later, I came to Christ. Praise God that they shared with me. Love keeps on keeping on. It bears all things. It believes all things. It trusts that there is hope. It keeps on praying when situation looks grim. Hopes all things. It's expecting good things from God. And endures all things. That's the power of love. I want to tell you something. When you're filled with the supernatural power and love of God, hell itself can't stand in your way. That's power. I'm going to tell you something. We've got organizations in this country that want to shut the church up. They don't want... uh, Christians having any activity in schools. They don't want any, you know, there's there's constant pressure. We don't want the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. We don't want prayer. We don't want these things happening in our public life. Can I tell you something? All the money that they have, 
all the organization that they have, all the pressure that they can exert, cannot stand against the purpose of God as His people are filled with His supernatural love, God's purpose will go forward. It's the power of love. Why should we seek what never fails? We should seek it because of its importance. Secondly, because of its power. Thirdly, because of its endurance. He he speaks of several different gifts here. And and he's saying, look, these gifts, first of all, are going to come to an end. If you look at verse 8. As for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. Why? Verse 9 says, for we know in part... And we prophesy in part. In other words, what you say under the leadership of God's Spirit is imperfect and limited. What you know as a child of God, as a student in Scripture, is imperfect. What you say as you exercise a gift of language. All of these things are in part and temporary. Why? Because... We're not yet in the time of the fullness of all things. You see, we live in a time of imperfection. I don't know all that I need to know, and neither do you. There's not, that's why, by the way, that's one reason you need the body of Christ, because you don't know everything, you know? Uh, I don't know everything. We need each other. That's why we come to learn at the house of God. Um, We don't all know everything that God wants to do in this place. That's why God speaks to different ones of us. But but we live in this time, it's a temporary time uh, of imperfect knowledge and imperfect experience. But one day, Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, everything's going to change. We'll have no more sin nature and we'll have the fullness of knowledge. We will know even as we are known. Paul speaks of it this way. He says in verse 11, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. What's he saying? He's saying the gifts are the childish things. He's saying, I don't care how gifted you are, you're in preschool spiritually. Gifts are preschool, okay? You graduate when you go to be with Jesus, right? The fullness of time. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. You know, children have a way of reasoning, right? Uh, one, of our, one of our kids, uh, uh, a number of years ago, she came in the office, and the first thing she did would go like this, and she pointed at Becky's candy. There was one thought on her mind. Where is the candy? She's thinking about it like a child, wasn't she? I remember my kids, you know, wanting to play in the street. You know, Dad, you know, they looked at me like, man, you ogre. Not letting us play in the street. I got this look like, what's up with you, Dad? Well, they were thinking like a child, right? Listen, you and I, we need to have a humility about our giftedness. Our giftedness, first of all, is a gift. 
It's a gift from God. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's not necessarily a measure of our spirituality. It, it, you can be gifted by God and be spiritually immature. Thank God for your gift. Praise God for your gift. And by all means, use your gift. But, but God says that that's the childish stuff. The real stuff of maturity and the real stuff that lasts is an attitude and a heart of love. And when you learn to love with God's supernatural love, you are living at a different level spiritually. See, the mark of spirituality is not what gift you have. The mark of spirituality is do you love with God's supernatural love. That's the mark. And so he says, I want you to understand and think about this. Love endures. Everything else is going to pass away. <laughs> the Blackaby brothers were talking one day. One of them was a, as it was a preacher and the other one was a music director. And the music director said, the preacher... My gift's better than your gift. And he said, well, why is that? He said, because uh, they'll still need musicians in heaven, but they won't need you preachers. <laughs> and uh, he, he shared that with us at a conference. But, you know, that's, that's the thing. Everything that we're doing is in part. And the fact of the matter is, one day when we get to heaven, the gifts that we've used to serve God and to honor Him and glorify Him with a heart of love will be things that God delights in. He'll love those things and appreciate those things. But there'll be a distant memory. But what will remain is God's supernatural love. And so make sure as you serve God that you don't forget to love people. By the way, that's what sets aside our service from everybody else's. You can, you can have service out there in the community. There can be lost people doing service. There are some that do very good service. What sets us apart as the people of God is that we have the supernatural love of God flowing through our lives. They shall know you are Christians by your love. What did Jesus pray for in his high, high priestly prayer? Lord God, make them one as we are one. Let them know what it's like to live in supernatural love and relationship. Let them experience the joy of Christian fellowship that is unlike anything else in this world. And the joy of loving God. Have you ever thought about this? Our motivation for service should be to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. Recognition is great, and we try to recognize people, but our motivation as God's people needs to be love. For love for people, secondarily, right? But love for God, primarily. David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Paul said, whatever things you do, in word or in deed, do all to the glory of God. You see, 
Ministry needs to be motivated by love. It's the primary thing. You could, you could put it this way. Paul says, okay, I've been talking to you about gifts. But I'm going to break up the study of gifts here. And I'm going to talk about the primary fruit of the Spirit. Because it's more important than all the rest. If you don't get anything. You ever heard a preacher say that? If you don't hear anything else I said, listen to this. <laughs> That's what Paul's saying here. If you, if you miss everything else, don't miss love. <coughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us a teaching about love and its necessity. Father, we know that we cannot live this lifestyle out without your strength and your power. So we ask you to fill us with your spirit, to live this life of love through us. And Lord, when we, when we stray from that heart of love, help us to confess our sin. Help us to put our trust in you, afresh and anew, to fill us with your spirit and to live that life of love through us. And Father, help us to, anytime we serve you, anytime we interact with someone who is a believer or someone even who is lost, that we would do so with a heart of love. And Lord, may Jesus Christ receive the glory. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity to uh, respond to the Lord. Love pulls you out of your comfort zone. If you're here today and you are living a comfortable, safe Christianity, you're probably not living a Christianity that is motivated by love. Love brings us out of our comfort zone. Love is the motive that causes us to serve others and to do so in remarkable ways. Uh, Jesus Christ left the throne of glory to come to live on this earth and to die for us. That's motivated by love. So can I encourage you just to say, Lord, in your heart of hearts today, um, will you do through me what you desire? Will you give me the love that I need to have? And even if it pulls me out of my comfort zone, help me be willing to love people like you love them, to see people like you see them, to have a heart for people like you have a heart for people, and to love you like you love me. Would you pray that in your heart as we do this time of invitation? Maybe some, some of you feel a need uh, to just come to this altar and say, Lord, I've not been loving, I've not been living in love, and I ask you to give me a heart of love. Uh, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you. That all who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And uh, the Bible says Jesus died on the cross to bear the penalty for your sin. And he paid that penalty in full. And he rose from the dead on the third day. And the Bible says if you'll make a choice today to turn from your sin in your own way by faith and to receive that gift of eternal salvation, eternal life, that he will give that gift to you based upon his promise. Um, I'll 
lead you in a prayer if you'd like to come forward and give your heart to Christ. Be my joy. Uh, I'll tell you what that prayer is before I lead you in it. So you can tell me if that's the desire of your heart, and then you can, can repeat after me if you'd like to do that. Um, maybe there's somebody here who needs to, to make a profession of faith and share with the church what God's done in your life. Maybe you were saved this week. Uh, maybe you, you need to be saved. You need to make it public today. Uh, but, uh, but you just want to say, I have trusted Christ, and I'm making that public. I want to follow him in believer's baptism. Um, whatever God would leave you to do, maybe there's somebody who needs to surrender to something God's called you to. But will you respond to him today as he leads right now? Let's stand.